Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, are you having a I just feel sluggish now what moment? Me too. And when I'm feeling a little low and need to pick me up, I turn to the Arbon 30 Days to Healthy Living program to help me reset. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. The 30 Days to Healthy Living acts as a reset in establishing healthy habits so you can get more energy and feel fit with clean vegan nutrition. Arbonne's mission is to empower people to flourish with sustainable, healthy living. So the 30 Days to Healthy Living set and program are specifically designed to do just that. It helps you identify foods that might not be serving your body well, while you focus on adding nutrient-dense, plant-based whole foods into your daily routine, creating sustainable habits for a healthy lifestyle that lasts. So if you want to get started on your path to healthy living with our number one nutrition set featuring nine plant-powered products that make healthy living easy, head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and click on the healthy living tab and check out the program. Join me each month as I help dozens of people feel fit and their best with this amazing program. It's definitely not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And if you want to live well and feel fit, join us on the next 30 Days to Healthy Living. So head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com, check out that Healthy Living tab, and let's help you go from feeling sluggish to feeling great. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank, Now What? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me for another now what Wednesday, I am so excited to be your host as well as your guest speaker today. Yep, it's another solo show. It is me and me with you today. And um, I am actually really excited to share this story with you. It's one that I've been mulling around for a little while and, you know, just based on what's happening in the world right now and you know hot topics trending words all the hashtags i figured it was a really good opportunity for me to share my own personal experience with this specific topic because one might not think that someone like myself who is you know five foot two five foot three on a good day and of you know pretty average weight and all of the things would be someone who is insulin resistant. And so I really wanted to come on and share my experience with learning that I was actually insulin resistant with all of you to help everybody kind of educate around this, you know, kind of new buzzword term that's been floating around a lot and what that means and what that could mean for you and how I went about air quotes here, treating my insulin resistance 
off the top, I will say that I am not a medical professional. This is my personal story. And if you need more information about that I'm sharing today, specifically as it relates to blood sugar, blood glucose, insulin resistance, please go talk to a medical professional because I am not one, but I did have an experience with learning that I was insulin resistant that I wanna share with everybody to help you guys figure out maybe is this something that's going on with you too? Because I had no idea and it wasn't until I was in front of some medical professionals looking at other things going on with me and my body that I learned that I... So we're gonna take you back a few, several, several years and my journey with insulin resistance and PCOS all are stemmed into my fertility journey. This is when I was learning a lot about myself, my body, what was going on, what was functioning, what was not functioning, and um, it was all when we were trying to have a baby. So when things were not going so well <laughs> in the conception department, I was referred to a fertility clinic. And this is when all sorts of tests started for me and the hubs as it related to our fertility. And this is when and where I learned for the very first time that I had a condition called PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And PCOS is an endocrine condition caused by an imbalance of reproductive hormones. And PCOS affects almost one in 10 women of a childbearing age. And while there is no specific test to diagnose the condition, people with PCOS typically have you know, at least two of the following symptoms. One is irregular or no ovulation. Check, that, that was me. Hyperandrogenism, high androgen levels based on you know a lab test. I believe that was also me. And a high number of follicles on the ovaries. Again, check. So healthy ovaries, you know, release eggs each month, we all know this, and when there's a problem with ovaries, as can happen with PCOS, it can impact fertility and normal menstruation, and um, the fact that PCOS is the leading cause of ovulatory infertility in women. Again, check, check, check all the boxes for me. So it was when I went to the fertility clinic and they were doing all these tests that you know, very casually in like one of those follow-up conversations, my my doctor just kind of very nonchalantly, you know, said something and I questioned it. And, you know, I asked a question and then he came back, he's like, but you have PCOS, <laughs> like, duh. And I was like, I'm sorry, what now? Right, like that was actually not a formal conversation that we had. All I knew was now he was, you know, very matter-of-factly saying, oh yes, you and, and you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I'm like, okay, and what what exactly does that mean? Because I, again, as I said, I'm five foot three. I am fairly petite. I always associated PCOS with those who were, you know, overweight or, you know, definitely not, you know, a healthier body like myself at the time. And um, it was a very eye-opening moment for me. And then that's also when I learned that, you know, for me with my PCOS, it was because I was insulin resistant. 
And what that happens to mean is, you know, most women who with PCOS are often insulin resistant. So the connection is fairly normal. But for again, for me at the time, this was like all new news. And um, insulin resistance happens when your body makes enough insulin, but doesn't use it effectively, right? And as a result, blood glucose can be higher than normal. And then the body responds by making extra insulin. And if our pancreases can't keep up with this extra insulin, you know, that's what could possibly lead to type 2 diabetes. So that's when I also learned that I was insulin resistant and that my body was not absorbing and using that insulin properly, right? It was producing it okay, but it was just not, my muscles were just not absorbing it in a way that was effective. And so their solution at the fertility clinic was just to put me on medication because that's kind of the standard go-to thing. And so how I learned all about this actually was through the medication that I was getting from my, all my fertility. And, you know, my insurance company actually didn't improve, approve like 99% of the drugs that I needed to take for my procedures. But they did approve one of them, and the one drug that they did approve was metformin. And this is how I realized that metformin was not like a fertility drug, but in truth and in fact, it was something that is prescribed to patients with diabetes to help them with their, their insulin management, insulin production or and absorption. So yeah, so the first thing that you know the doctors did for me was putting me on a insulin sensitivity um, drug set called metformin and again I was taking this drug and I had no idea why I I always thought it was part of my fertility kind of protocol but then digging in and learning learning more and asking more questions this is what this is what I learned but at no point during the conversation with my doctors which was really you know looking back now and reflecting on what was going on then and what they were telling me and then what they were telling me to do. At no point were there ever a conversation about food and diet. At no point was there ever a conversation about my physical activity. Like no one questioned, you know, Jessica, what are you eating? You know, what, what does your diet look like? What's, you know, what's your activity level? Are you sitting a lot all day at your desk? How, how often are you exercising, right? Like there was those kind of basic, you know, lifestyle questions for our very, very first appointment. Like how much do you drink? Are you a smoker? Are you like this and that and whatever? And they're kind of like, you know, blanket questions. But at no point after, you know, they started running any of my tests and, you know, getting any, any of these results back about me and my body specifically, did they sit down and been like, okay, Jess, like, how, how much green leafy vegetables are you eating every day? <laughs> or, you know, what's your step count in a day? Like, how much are you moving? And I thought that was really frustrating because... Obviously here we are, we're trying to have a baby, you know, obviously we're going through extreme measures at this point and no one was even talking about some of the basic things that, hey, let's just have a quick conversation and check in, like, how are you in these other departments, right? Like, what are some, what's some low hanging fruit things that are easy for you to do that do not require drugs and needles and 
poking you and prodding you. This is something that you can do in your very own kitchen every single day. But the conversation was never had. And so this is, this is, this, this, this was my experience of learning that I was insulin resistant. And so of course, you know, many of you know, our fertility, fertility journey ended without actually having a baby, which was obviously very disappointing. But the experience led me down a very different path of looking at my life, looking at what was going on in my life, how my own personal health, just for, for me. So we decided to stop our fertility treatments and not pursue another round when, when the first round didn't do well. But I decided I was going to take a fraction of the money that we would have spent on another round of fertility and invest that in me. Invest that in, you know, making me the healthiest and happiest and whole version of myself. And if the byproduct of that was that we had a baby, fantastic. But if we didn't, at least all of that money was well invested in me. And I got to say, it was a very good decision because coming out of that, I really started to do a lot of personal health and personal self-care to make sure that I was I was doing well. And some of the categories included food and nutrition. Other categories included, you know, moving my body and and exercising in a different kind of a way that was more beneficial to me. Some of that included reducing my stress and, you know, leaving very toxic work workplaces and overall just became a healthier version of myself and because of that because of my focus on key things like sleep and exercise and reducing stress and eating more fiber and and you know how much fruits and vegetables I was eating and and certain things I'm actually you know significantly healthier now than I was then to the point where you know I was always the girl who had like the longest cycle ever, right? Like it was upwards of, you know, ever, you know, the standard cycle for a woman is 28 days from when, you know, your period <laughs> starts to when you go through all the different cycles to when, you know, your next one shows up is 28 days. And the only time that I was ever a 28 day menstrual cycle person was when I was on birth control. You know, for the years prior to that, in my teen, like in my teens and twenties, that when I was not on birth control, six weeks, eight weeks, easy. And I was just always thought that that was, you know, I was a very petite person again, and I was a dancer, and I was rowing, and I was, you know, very active. And they're like, oh, Jess, it's just because you know you're you're super active that way, and that's pretty normal for athletes. And then you know when I came off of birth control again, like long cycles, and you know conversations with people were like, oh yeah, my cycles are you know how these many days, that many days. So that was normal for me. But it's now in you know coming out of all of all of this, my late thirties into my forties like naturally now my body is actually on point to like 28 days and that was like something that I had never experienced in my past and I attribute a lot of this now to the fact that I'm really taking care of me and I'm really taking care of my body and what I put into it and how I move it in a much more intentional way and you know I I'm ovulating you know, functionally, properly now, where I never did before. You know, is is this the magic ticket for us to have a baby? Absolutely not. No, there's a whole other, a whole other gambit of things. But 
ovulation was a key component to our infertility. And now I'm actually, you know, ovulating on a, a normal, normal cycle. And it's because over the last several years, I've put a lot of intention into, you know, food nutrition and physical movement and all of those things and sleeping and, and all the, all, like all these low hanging fruit things that I like to call or just daily do's that have a massive, massive impact on my health. So I have not been retested to find out whether or not I am still insulin resistant. And if I still, you know, do have PCOS in the textbook way, but just from how my body is functioning and it's what's going on, I'm going to say I'm probably not having those issues anymore like I did, you know, six, seven years ago when I was at the height of all my, my fertility of stuff. So I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more detail of some of the changes that I did take over the last few years and share them with you because these are important. These are things that, you know, we can all do every day. And this is also for men, for men out there. This is not just for childbearing year women who potentially are suffering from PCOS because insulin resistance is across the board. This is not something that is specific to PCOS. Insulin resistance is across the board. So that's why I want to talk, focus on that piece and not so much on the PCOS because that's very specific to people. And that's, you know, that's, that's the piece that is how I found it, right? How I found out I was insulin resistant, but the insulin resistant is, you know, a condition that so many people are currently experiencing and may not know. So let's, let's dig into that side of stuff. So dietary changes and exercise are also you know, highly recommended to improve insulin sensitivity. So here's the first one, sleep. Okay, you guys know I love sleep. And I have become a much, much, much better sleeper over the past few years. I used to suffer from insomnia, as you know, and got really, really bad sleep. The quality of my sleep now is just so much better because I make it a priority and I have that nighttime routine and, and I make sure that you know, even if there are some really, really late, late nights in my week, like there was this past week, I, I, I find, I go to bed early to make sure that I'm getting those extra hours and re rebalancing my sleep awake equation. So sleep exercise. Yeah, that was something that I really was very much more intentional of putting into my daily routine. The way it was explained to me was my muscles for not absorbing the blood sugar in an effective way. And so that's what was causing me to be insulin resistant. And so I needed to move my muscles more for them to actually be able to absorb some of that blood sugar. So physical activity is, is a key thing. Reduce stress. <laughs> this was a huge one. I had to figure out how to get my stress levels down because it was having a major, major impact on all of our fertility things. And that was changing jobs, something as drastic as that, evaluating some relationships and just doing some things differently that had had me reduce my stress. Also, you know, looked into things like meditation and, you know, mindfulness and just reading and you know not being overly stimulated all the time and being less stimulated really really helps me on the stress levels here's a here's a simple one more fiber 
<laughs> I know it sounds so simple, but again, you know, because this is insulin resistance, it has to do with blood sugar, it has to do with food. It's like, how much fiber are you getting in your body so that you can release toxins from your body? But it's soluble fiber is, is also really important because that's, that's a big part of that whole digestion process. More colorful fruits and vegetables. Okay, so I know most, we all know that there's like a daily requirement of fruits and vegetables and we probably all have our go-to fruits and veggies that we eat fairly regularly, which is great. But the spectrum of fruits and vegetables, the rainbow, the colors, that is actually so, so, so important. And it's not just like, okay, here are, here's a serving of vegetable, you're good to go. But like that cross-section, that, that biodiversity of fruits and vegetables is actually crazy important. And so when I started drinking, you know, that my Be Well Superfood Greens, that's the thing that actually gave me a more diverse fruit and veggie intake than I was consuming naturally from the fruits and vegetables that I was eating as part of my meals. So I know that, you know, the obvious, you know, the number one way to get in our nutrients is through food. I am a huge proponent of that too. Like I believe that we got to eat it, but oftentimes our foods are just no longer providing us the vitamins and minerals and, and that they used to. And, and the variety has been cut down significantly. So yeah, that, that diversity is a key part. And so I am a firm believer in supplementing and getting in those extra colors those of the rainbow in another means if I'm not getting it in my standard, you know, tomato sauce and spinach or the, the, the salad that I'm eating that day. That that's maybe like 25% of what we actually need. So we need to like top it up. So I love the fact that I get a green supplement in every single day now. And it has had such a huge, huge impact on my life. Managing sugars, obviously, you know, insulin resistance. I don't think I need to explain why it's important to manage sugars at that point. Spices. So I learned certain spices are actually really, really helpful. Things like ginger, garlic, turmeric, spices that I already love. So I, I just made sure that they were in my spice rack on the regular and I added those things to all the foods that I was cooking fairly regularly. And cinnamon, I don't know, I don't know if you guys know this, but cinnamon is actually a spice that actually, it helps reduce blood sugar. So if you love cinnamon, then that's something that you can, you know, add to a smoothie or add to other things that you're making. If you just do decide that you're gonna have like a baked, baked treat, you know, snickerdoodle cookies with some cinnamon in it are gonna, is gonna actually help you manage the, the sugar that's actually in that cookie. Apple cider vinegar also reduces blood sugar. This is something that we added to our pantry and have consume on the regular. You can either drink it as it is, you can mix it in things, but they, they also have these apple cider vinegar capsules that you can take, which <laughs> my the hubs prefers personally because it does, you know, Whenever he has the apple cider vinegar, he feels like his teeth are literally like, he can feel it on his teeth. The enamel is like peeling off. And so he prefers to take the tablets, but apple cider vinegar, something that I would highly recommend you guys add to your, um, your pantry and have on the regular. And here is another one that I did not know about, but learned was so, so, so important. And it is chromium. 
is a mineral involved in carb and fat metabolism. And studies have found that taking chromium supplements in doses of, you know, 200 to 1,000 MCGs could improve the ability of insulin receptors to reduce blood sugar. So again, chromium is not something that you're going to like buck up easily in your daily diet. And so I love the fact that there are ways to supplement your body and get these kind of key, you know, vitamins and minerals in. And so how I get my chromium in every day is drinking fizz sticks. So I found this amazing energy drink that was filled with really, really good supplements that was good for the body. And it gave me a, a nice little boost of energy too. So I'm not somebody who drinks coffee. I also don't drink a lot of soda. And so these energy fizz drinks kind of gave me that boost that I needed in terms of the when I was feeling groggy and tired, but it also helped my body get in some key things. So in a fizz stick that is from the lovely world of Arbonne, it has stuff like ginseng, CoQ10, niacinamide, a riboflavin, vitamin B2, vitamin B6, and chromium, and vitamin B12. So this is something that I drink very regularly, you know, almost daily, and it's how I get my chromium and That was really a key thing for me in, you know, combating this insulin resistance thing. So I, 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 I'm actually very grateful that <laughs> I was found in this situation because it led me to do research and it led me to, you know, change things up about my diet and, and what was what was going on with me. So insulin resistance is, you know, it's it's not a death sentence by any imagination, but it is kind of a warning shot. And that's how I took my, you know, quote unquote diagnosis of being insulin resistant as like, hey, warning shot, Jessica, like there your body does not function optimally. And this is one of the warning signs of your body telling you that you're not running optimally. And here are some things that you can do about it. So brain fog, fatigue, all of those things, bad digestion, like those are your body, bad sleep. Those, those are things that your body is doing as warning signs to you that something is off and something's not right that you need to look into. So take take the signs, my friends. I took the sign, like fertility was my pathway into learning a lot about my body. Maybe for you, it's something else, but the end result is you just being very, very aware of what's going on with you, things that you need to look into, things that you can easily course correct with some effort as it relates to food and diet and consumption and, and exercise. And then, you know what, like if more medical intervention is needed, if, you know, there is a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical need to help you further, great. But definitely look into the things that you can actually do in and around your house every day, your, your, those daily habits, what, 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 which ones can you switch out and improve on to help you get part way there before the medication is the only answer or you know have it have a balance of both medi medication as well as natural ways of managing whatever condition it is that you have so yeah 
So insulin, go go Google it. There's there's lots of information about it, and you know go and find out from your doctor if if you can go take a test and if there's some way for you to figure out whether you are also insulin resistant. This could be the pre 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 before being pre diabetic diabetic. And as I said, this is not only for those of uh, people who visually. <laughs> check all the boxes for somebody who could be pre-diabetic or diabetic. I, again, I am five foot three, 125 pounds. I am not the, the poster child for what visually people think could be somebody who's insulin resistant. But yeah, this was my diagnosis. So yeah, so that is what I want to share with you guys today. I Hopefully that was helpful. And if you want to talk more about this, please reach out. But please also go talk talk to your medical professional, talk to, you know, your naturopath. If, if you see, you know, a dietitian, a nutritionist, have some conversations with them and go get some, some tests and see whether this is something that you need to be a little bit paying more attention to. I'll put it that way. All right. That is it for me. And thank you so much for joining me today. I really actually loved kind of doing a little bit more research and digging into this topic and sharing with you. And there's tons of insulin resistant sources out there. So go find some for yourself, educate yourself like I did for me. And if you're looking for a good greens drink, hit me up because I got one that I drink on the daily. All right, have a great week, everybody. And we will see you next week for another episode of I Just Plank. Now what? Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.